Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. I hope you guys are well. My name is Louis Mendes. I am back and uh, on this week's show we will of course be looking ahead to Saturday's trip uh, down to St. James's Park to take on Exeter uh, in League One. But of course there's plenty of stuff to talk about as well in terms of the closure of the transfer window. So joining me to have those conversations plus a very special guest uh, later on. Uh, first up Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing Tom? Yeah, I thought I was about to be the special guest then. But, uh, you uh, well, you were on Sunday. Done a, done a very good job on Sunday. Thank you for filling in for me. No problem at all. Yeah, yeah was... it was fine. It was a lot more work than if... Usually I just sit here and wait for you to ask me something. But I had to have a script. I had to control everything. Yeah, just yeah. a little insight into your world. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Well, I won't give you an insight into my world on Sunday morning. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Doing my best impression of a, a Catherine wheel, I think. And also joining us uh, is Mr. Lewis Cat. How are you doing, Lou? Yeah, and not too bad, your mind. Yeah, yeah, no, I was laughing at that just as I was coming off mute as well. But I'm all good, mate. I'm glad you're feeling better as well because yeah, the image of you as a Catherine Will is not one I wanted to have in my head today. No, no, not one I wanted to have coming out of my body either. But there we go, right? So uh, as I said on this week's show, um, the closure of the transfer window at window slammed shut at eleven o'clock on um, Tuesday, and it was. Quite an interesting final day, one that I'm not entirely sure we saw coming, but there's lots of chat uh, to be had. Eight outs uh, overall this window, five ins. We'll talk about those. Uh, We'll have your say as well. We've got your emails uh, and your tweets. We ran a poll as well to see what people made of the transfer uh, window. We're going to hear from Beth Rowe uh, from the women's team. They're at home against Coventry on Sunday. Uh, Of course, as I said, we'll look ahead to the Exeter game. Uh, We've got Dean Holden's views uh, on that game. And we've got, as I said, an extremely special guest. Now, I bet you never thought that Brian from Afterlife uh, would be on uh, Charlton Live. But there you go. David L., uh, the the comic, uh, well, the comedian, a bit of an actor as well. Um, runs loads of podcasts and now he's just started an Exeter City podcast as well uh, so Tom very kindly sat down for a chat with him ahead of our trip down to St James's Park but as I said at the top of the show uh, I want to talk about the closure of the transfer window on the final day it was uh, well it, it was like an exodus everyone who could leave did uh, a couple of people came in we missed out on one uh, as well um, we'll, we'll dive into the details in a few moments times but let's hear uh, what Dean Holden made of the transfer window he was our today during press day uh, if we ended the window stronger than when we started it i think it's really really simple for me when you know i came into the job I think 10 days before the window opened so we, we have to be on the game to the party a little bit late in terms of once last summer's window shut clubs immediately start looking towards the next window as they will do now with the current summer coming up so you know obviously the club behind the scenes was working um to recruitment in january then there was a change of manager there's been a certain style of play previous to me coming in so um, we worked really well in that time frame. I had to assess the squad. I had some good ideas before coming in. Certainly, them first few days and, and the amount of games that we had, I was, I was looking all the time, watching video back, training in terms of 
where do we need to improve? Essentially, we went into the start of the window with, in my opinion, a squad that was too big. Um, when you're leaving five, six players, sometimes more than that at home during away games, um, at times we're looking to do an 11 v 11 in training. Uh, say on a Tuesday with a Saturday game on the horizon and, and you haven't last I'll tell three or four players that they're not even going to be involved in that can you go and train number 21 and that's fine as you get on with that but at the same time we're talking about building a, a culture uh, and a togetherness and a spirit within the group footballs are competitive animals they, they want to all be involved and when they know that they're all going to be involved which you know we've now got a group which is tight after the numbers they'll all have a feeling that they're, you know, if they're not quite starting they'll want probably one, ch- one chance away from getting in that's important uh, in terms of training, in terms of the, the, the discipline, the standards, and the winning nature of what that looks like. So, you know, we, we wanted to lower the numbers. We've done that. We brought uh, five players in, eight have left. Um, we need some balance. Touched on that before with you know Matt Penny coming in on that left hand side, and, and we brought players in who have played at high level, who know what it looks like to get promoted and what it takes to get there. I'm not talking about results, I'm talking about daily standards. So I think about the youngsters that we've got within the squad, it's important that they keep feeling that they're going to be involved, which they will be. Same when I came in, the youngsters, if they're good enough, they will play. They need to see from the, the lads around them and what that looks like in terms of the way they look after themselves on a daily basis, standards they set themselves. The self-awareness in terms of their honesty at their own performance, knowing that they can keep improving. Um, and that's not to say, by the way, I must, I must say, that's not to say that the lads that have left weren't showing their capabilities. I just felt that we were bringing uh, better quality players in, into the group. So, uh, again, I must say we wish, um, and I've spoken to every one of them that's left, we wish them best wishes. doesn't matter how long you've been at this football club, how many games you've played or not, you've, you've come here and you've signed for the right reasons and you, you give your all for Chartman Flake. Uh, your family may or may not have moved. All them types of things. So it's important that you know, we go on record and say thank you to them guys that you've Played a part in the journey of this football club. Obviously, some are on loan, and we'll come back and we'll and we'll keep tabs on them right throughout the season, uh, with a view to, to reintegrating them or uh, reintegrating them for next season. So, uh, it's a long answer to your question, that's there, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we, I think we exit the window with uh, to summarise with a, a slightly smaller group, which is what I wanted, more balance in the squad, and, and and yeah, better quality. So, for all them reasons, it's, I think it's been a good window. You say you're relieved, uh, I can understand that, I think, but is that also because uh, maybe did you have any serious interest from players you didn't want, you really didn't want to let go, um, especially younger ones, and I know the, the names that have been banded about from the fans. Uh, did you have to fend off serious interest from, from players uh, that, uh, that you didn't want to go? Yeah, the honest answer. And um, I said to the players this morning, because it was the first meeting we've had since the window shut, so this is, this is us now, this is up to the end of the season, this is the group that we've got. Nobody's going to be leaving. It's, you know, what we're now focusing on from now to the end of the season. And um, I said to him, every single one of them, every player that's in that meeting room this morning is, is there because I wanted them in this football club. Um, there was some inquiries. There was a couple of big bits that came in for some of our players. Um, and we said we were never going to start any of our young talent in particular. So um, for them reasons, I'm, I'm grateful, obviously, to the club to keep with some of our best young players. And uh, you know, long may that continue. The clubs are coming in for our players because it shows that they're doing well in the development. So there we go. That's Dean Holden's views on uh, the transfer window. So let let's run through a list of of what happened now. So I mean, just on deadline day in particular. So I think the day I think it was the day before 
uh, Jaden left for, for Fleetwood, which at one point we didn't think was going to happen. It sounded like he was going to stay and fight for his place, but things moved quite quickly. He ended up signing permanently for Fleetwood. Then on the final day, and this is in no particular order, because to be honest, I just sort of had half an eye on it, but then I just came to it at the end of the day to see where we landed. I was like, oh, blimey. Um, so Kirk and Lavelle have both gone on loan to Burton Albion. Uh, best mates there, so they're, they're continuing... Uh, their, uh, their 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 friendship up there. Uh, O'Connell went to Wrexham. Owen O'Connell, which was a bit of a surprise one on a permanent deal. So he's gone uh, completely now. He won't be coming back to the club. Uh, he, he was sold for an undisclosed fee. Uh, and then right at the end, DJ uh, went on loan uh, to Johnny Jackson's Wimbledon uh, as well. Now, in terms of ins, Gavin Kilkenny uh, joined us on loan from Stoke. And Michael Hector uh, who was unattached uh, at the start of this season. Uh, last time was Fulham. He joined us uh, until the end of the season as well. So short-term incoming, some short-term outgoings, uh, and uh, as I said, a, a long-term outgoing in, in uh, O'Connell to Wrexham, who won't be coming back. Um, so in, in all, eight outs, Kirk, McGrandles, McGilvery, Forstakowski, Stockley, O'Connell, uh, Lavelle and DJ, and five ins, Penny, Hector, Bon, Kilkenny and Kane. Um, I... I, I don't really know what on earth has gone on in this window. It's been a bizarre window, Tom, um, and, and probably left us with as many questions as it has answers. Yeah, uh, I think that last bit kind of sums it up. I think uh, you've just reminded me that that Joasimi had gone. I thought I'd got everybody, and then you've just reminded me DJ went as well. But yeah, Andy Scott for that month-long contract that he had has been a busy man, hasn't he? And I think ultimately having now had a day or two to reflect on it there is well really there's nobody who's left that was a regular first teamer currently I think I personally was surprised by the Owen O'Connell one I felt like he was somebody that injury aside probably would have developed into a regular first teamer and certainly towards the back end of the time he was playing I thought he was looking like a competent defender so I'm surprised particularly given we've had to keep playing uh, Ness in that position, I am I was surprised that, that that one went through. But we've seen the article that talks about him wanting to play football. And so I guess if that's the case and we didn't want to keep him for whatever reason, that makes sense. Andy Scott today has talked about Holden's wanting to trim the, the squad down for training purposes. Now, how much I read into that or, or take that, I don't know. The rest of them, I was as surprised as anybody else to see so many flying out the door. But as I say, on the face of it, none of them were exactly knocking on Holden's door to get a place in the first team. My concern is that beyond the surface and beyond just the, the playing aspect of that, why why else are we doing this? And there's there remains the talk of this takeover or no takeover. There remains the talk of the likes of Scott and the other behind-the-scenes people and what they're doing. There remains the talk of Sangard wanting to cost cut. And ultimately, even if there is some footballing decision behind all these changes, something doesn't quite sit right with me. And I, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but it doesn't feel like the football team is perhaps at the forefront of all of this decision making. So on the face of it, our starting eleven probably isn't going to change too much. And a couple we brought in are good. But yeah, it feels like there's something more at play here and, and we don't quite know what that is yet. Yeah, I... I was uh, when it got to the the evening on Tuesday, and I was seeing all the all these outgoings. I was thinking, like, I was, you know, I, I have been concerned for, for a long time about what's been going on behind the scenes, and 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 the the, the takeover apparent takeover that would seem to still be in pro progress. And judging by what 
was said by Andy Scott this week uh, or today that he's he said he's hoping for more clarification on his contract. You know, he's gone on to a rolling contract, hoping to make it permanent maybe in a week's time. I mean, that to, to you would then suggest, or maybe they think the takeover could be done within a week. Although having said that, if he previously had a contract until the 31st of January, then you'd assume the assumption was that the takeover would be done by the 31st of January. So maybe we can't read too much into what, what he said just then. Um, but with, with all these outgoings, you know, I've used the word quite a few times recently of downsizing. The club is downsizing. We're, we're becoming a smaller entity. And obviously we had a lot of players in terms of the, the squad that's been trimmed. That's what's happened. We, we, we've, we've downsized in, in that way. Um, th- that obviously comes with its own risks now. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I think all of those players that's left, I'm not in isolation massively bothered by any of them. Like if one of them had let, like maybe Stockley, I'm sad to see the way that ended. You know, I thought he was very good for his first year and a half here. This season, it hasn't worked for him. You know, I hope next season does work for him because he's a good bloke. Um, you know, Kirk, Lavelle, uh, you know, O'Connell, even him, I, I, I never really massively rated. I thought he had a couple of good games here and there, but overall, I thought I thought he struggled. Um, I, I know sometimes I'm a bit of an outlier in that. Jai Simi, I had massive hopes for him, didn't work out. Um, you know, McGovery, uh, you know, Jake Forster-Kasky, you know, th- th- there's McGrandles, th- there's, there's players here, there's no one here that I'm thinking, oh God, I can't believe we've lost them, unfortunately, this day and age. But if um, if if that was where we're, we're going to end up, my, my main concern is what it does signal, Lewis. So what first of all, we're probably short now. We're now on short-term contracts for the players that have come in. So every single player that's coming in this window will be gone at the end of the season as it stands. So Penny on loan from Ipswich, Hector at the end of the season, Bon, Kilkenny, end of the season, Kane, end of the season. So it's all it's all a lot of short-termism. Um, it does show that we have cut the cost of the bidness. We're becoming smaller. So what happens if this takeover doesn't go through? Does that show there's no money? Does it show that the people that were bought in sort of as part of the takeover already are going to be uh, playing to try and make the business smaller in the future. I, I don't really understand. It's going to be a massive rebuild in the summer again as well, which doesn't help. And there's lots to be concerned about. 100%. It's deja vu, isn't it? You know, I think the the phrase rebuild in the summer is something that I feel like we've used for the last sort of four or five years. <laughs> it just seems to, to roll on and roll on and, the big concern for me, and I agree with you, the, the list of players that have left, I'm not overly surprised by the names. What I am surprised about is the number of them um, and that the number coming in doesn't match because I know that, that Dean Holden and, and Andy Scott have come out today and said that they feel that the squad was too big and that they couldn't train properly. I, I don't know how much I buy into that because the start of the season, all, all Ben Garner was talking about was needing reinforcement. You know, and, and with the injury record that we do have, to be letting go, I understand letting go some of them. I, I think McGrandles needed needed game time. I think Kirk, for whatever reason, is not working out. McGillivray wasn't getting in the side over over Jojo at the start of the season, and then Maynard Brewer comes in and, and starts, you know, and makes that place his own. So I understand those. I understand those ones, and Jake as well. But like Stockley. I know he's been earmarked for a move, really, because it's not worked out for him this season. But that's just this season, and we haven't replaced him. Like I understand Bond coming in, but we were still short when Bond came in. So Chucks, we don't know what his injury situation is really, uh, and we know that he can never play a full ninety. 
you know, and I feel sorry for him that that's the case, but we know that that's an issue that we have to deal with. So whilst letting Jaden go was probably on the cards this window, I'm surprised we didn't bring another in to cover that because if Bond gets an injury now, we're fully reliant on Miles Lieburn at 18, 19 years of age. And that's not fair. So there are concerns, you know, there's big concerns for me. The, as you said, the people that have come in, it's all short term. If it's not a loan deal, then it's a deal to the end of the season. The people that we've let go in the, in the mould of, you know, Jaden Stockley had years left on his contract. McGilvery, I think, had a bit of time left on his contract. Um, Owen O'Connell, we only signed in the summer, so definitely had time left on his contract. And the people that we've replaced them with won't be here at the end of the season. You know, unless unless they're fighting for a for a permanent move in the summer. I don't know if the likes of Todd Kane and, and Penny and, and people like that are out of contract and, and they could get a move here permanently in the summer for nothing, I'm not sure. But taking that out of the you know, taking that factor away from it, it's short term thinking. And the only thing we can cling on to is that there's a takeover imminent. But as you said, with the sort of short-term contracts handed to the senior members of staff, the the Andy Scotts, the Jim Robwells, Ed Warwick, etc., nothing's changed. Th- those contracts are up now. Where do we stand as a football club at this moment mm-hmm. in time? Where do we stand? And that's a ma- that's a massive question that needs answering by somebody. Yeah, I mean, um, so it looked like Andy Scott did did try and clarify his his current contract situation because obviously he is still here. Um, and he said he's been put onto this rolling contract now that 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 does sort of indicate that, that the takeover, whatever it is, is still in process, in progress of of some description. Whether that means it's going to happen, you know, it does. It doesn't necessarily mean it does. We still don't really understand what Methan and and Lenigun or whoever's in the background are still out there actually achieving. You know, they they. They, they they could be out still trying to raise funds for all we know because there's such a small amount of communication on this thing. You know, obviously even Dean Holden's contract is up at the end of the end of the window as well. Um, uh, just having a look at the two blokes that have come in this week. This this week then, so obviously we've had a chance to speak with the likes of Penny and Bon and, and Kane before. Um, Gavin Kilkenny uh, on loan from Stoke, so he's only made two league starts in the entirety of 2022. One of which was for Stoke. Uh, I think at the start of this season. One of which was for Bournemouth, uh, sort of in January last season. He made 13 appearances for Bournemouth overall at the start of 21-22, so mainly in 2021. So someone who hasn't played a great deal of football recently, and that's obviously going to be the same. We'll say about Hector in a few moments' time, Tom. But Kilkenny, what 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 what, what would you make of that move? Yeah, basically, as you've said, I've not I've not seen enough of him to know to know and. As you say, just ha- he hasn't had a lot of football. Um, he's a young player, obviously. I think my understanding is he's more along the mould of uh, of George Dobson. So maybe somebody who can sit more at the defensive side of the midfield and, and move the ball around. It's interesting, obviously, we had that email that generated a bit of controversy on Sunday show around Dobson's lack of ability to pass, which I think largely we dismissed and said we don't agree with. But maybe Kilkenny's another option in there. But again, it's it's somebody that is unproven, really. Um, hasn't had a lot of game time generally and certainly not recently. So you're looking at the season. I know we're slightly over halfway, I think, now. But he's somebody that's going to have to get up to speed quickly because whatever we think is going to happen this season, I don't think we're happy, even if we're going to finish mid-table, to just kind of give up and limp through. We want to see some sort of momentum building. And it's hard to do that when you've got players on short-term deals. But if... If he can come in, if he can get some game time and if he can look good, then 
maybe if things behind the scenes have worked out by the back end of the season, he's somebody who we can look to extend. You know, that's happened with a few players recently and, and have gone on to be very successful. So, yeah, he's not somebody I'm going to claim to know a huge amount about, but a good option to have in midfield because I think, I think largely, I think we said it again, maybe on Sunday or maybe more generally, Fraser and Dobson, where fit, are going to probably start. I know we've then rotated a few times with the likes of Payne Morgan and a couple of others in the third spot, but maybe Kilkenny can add an extra bit of quality in there alongside that as well and give us a chance to rotate a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know much more than that, to be honest. So um, yeah, let's wait and see, I guess. Yeah, it would probably be the same for Michael Hector. Now, I mean, this is a man who... Um, you know, has had a good career, but again, um, hasn't played a great deal recently. I'm told actually he's struggled, he's struggled a bit since after COVID with Fulham, but obviously he has played a big part in in, in Fulham's uh, sort of progress over the last few years. So again, in terms of games actually played recently, he, he's not really got a great deal under his belt. Um, he was unattached, obviously, for all of this season so far. Uh, made four league appearances last year and three the year before the the year before that. So in the last two and a half seasons, he's made seven league appearances, um, Lewis. Which I mean, in terms of some of our players, he'd fit in quite nicely. But that, I, I don't think that's due to injury. I think that's just because he wasn't picked. Yeah, it's it's a tough one again because I think overall Hector probably is quite a decent acquisition if you don't lose O'Connell. I, I understand losing Lavelle for a loan, but I think we're kind of left now in a position where you've got Ryan Innes who Touchwood has played a fair amount of football this season. Hasn't missed. I don't think he's missed anything through injury. If anything, all he's missed is through discipline. Um, and then you've got a young Lucas Ness playing out of position. And then you've got Michael Hector, um, who, as you say, has made seven appearances in what the last two or three seasons. So there's, there's concern there for me. I think, it's probably a good body to have in the building because we haven't really got much choice. But ultimately, you know, thinking about it, I don't know what sort of player we're expecting to attract in our current position because no one knows who the manager's going to be next season. You know, we're all hopeful that it's Dean Holden and he's given a chance, but we don't know. He's only here to the end of the season as well. You know, we talk about the deals for the players. The manager's only here till the end of the season too. So if you're a player looking for your next move, you're only going to really attract the players that are looking for something short to get themselves back in, you know, maybe match fit and then move on in the summer or that really want to earn a deal and stay somewhere. You're not going to get like a a player that's, you know, maybe cancelled a contract in order to play more football and wants to settle because no one knows who the manager's going to be. You know, we've seen it with the players that Garner signed in the in the summer, that O'Connell being the prime one, if I'm picking an example, he's, he's out the door immediately, you know, and it's... In terms of stability, we're struggling at the moment. And if you're a professional footballer, you know, it's their career. It's the same as anyone, you know, wanting to get a job somewhere and wanting to be stable. It, it doesn't happen here at the moment because we haven't got that stability. No one knows who the manager is going to be the start of next season. No one knows who the owner is going to be the start of next season. So really, we've we've kind of like the Achilles heel of the football club is the uncertainty. And I think until that gets sorted out, we're going to be in this position for, you know, it's it's deja vu every window, isn't it? No one really knows what, what the future holds and it's so frustrating. Mm. Uh, the, the, every time we spoke to Dean Holden about the, the transfer window sort of in the build-up, so he, he wouldn't like to give too much away other than to say that he hopes we'd come out stronger than, than we entered it. I, I don't think you can possibly claim that we have, Tom. Uh, I don't know what your view is on that. I just, I just don't see how we have. I think we're really... 
we're really sort of left ourselves quite open now to you know injury problems that we that we know we suffer from as a club if that goes wrong then, then, then you know i don't think it's a risk in terms of relegation i think we probably only need 12 14 more points so i'm not concerned about that but i do think we have risk leaving ourselves a bit short uh, yeah i totally agree with you and i think that's why i question what what andy scott said today about holden wanting this smaller squad for training like how small does he want this squad to be? Because I wouldn't have said it was huge in the first place. I do agree we've cleared some dead wood and I, and I think that's probably okay. Realistically, was Lavelle ever going to come in unless somebody was injured? Probably not. I think Hector, for example, is an upgrade on that, albeit he's played less football. Um, we did need cover for George Dobson, who thankfully up until today or now hasn't been seriously injured, but could happen. So, But I totally agree with you. I think the difficult thing is where realistically, and I think Lewis just mentioned it, who were we going to get? You know, we're where we are in League One. We weren't going to go out and get somebody, you know, Paul Mullin from Wrexham, who's going to come over and bang in 100 goals and get us promoted. Like, we're not able to do that sort of thing at the moment. So I think what what worries me, and again, like you, I don't think we're going to get relegated. It's this inertia that's setting in where once again, this January window to me says we are settling for a mid-table position in League One and obviously we had the the Boyer season culminating in Wembley and then ever since then it doesn't feel like the ambition is there to push for that that top six and maybe there was glimpses of it in in Sangard's first season down here but not really and is this all we are now because he promised us Premier League in five years which I think we all knew was over ambitious but at least there was drive there and determination there it doesn't feel like it now, and, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being greedy, but as a football fan, and certainly as a football fan who saw his team in the Premier League for a large part of his his early time supporting the club, I'm not expecting us to get back to the Premier League anytime soon. But I want to see some ambition there. I want to see us pushing for the top six here and ultimately becoming a Championship side again. And and it doesn't feel these signings don't feel like that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, and that, like I say, I know I know the word. The, the word downsize I used on, on, on social media and, uh, you know, I've used it in paper reports recently. I, I used it in my post-Man United paper report, actually, because I'm trying to explain how I see the club now. How was there, there was a number of years where after we got relegated, we wanted to try and get back up and we were, you know, it, it went terribly wrong, certainly. And we found ourselves in League One, but now it feels like we're more and more accept, accepting of it. You know, not not all fans, but maybe some even even fans. You know, when you come out and say what Tom's just said, and said like, you know, I'm I'm frustrated. I I want us to be pushing for the top. You know, some fans will, will, will almost accept the fact that we're in League One. Not not a lot, but some of them do. And and I find that really not you know really really bizarre because you know what, what what's the point? What's the point of being Charlton in League One? It's like it's tough. It's it's, it's really tough as well. So yeah, it, it's uh, it's a difficult position. Right, I I ran a a poll. Uh, on our Twitter page um, to find out what, what people made of, of the of the transfer window. Uh, so I asked the question, are we stronger, uh, the same or weaker? Um, so from the 601 votes uh, at the time of recording, uh, only 12% think we're stronger in terms of a squad. Maybe 27% say we're the same uh, and a whopping 61% of supporters think that we are weaker uh, as a squad. Uh, since the, uh, the the closure of the transfer window. Obviously, it's not a completely scientific poll. It's just on Twitter, but it will certainly give us a good indication of what people think. I also asked for what people wanted to say. So, uh, CFC47 said, how can we be weaker? Uh, when apart from Stockley, none of the others were involved in the first team, not even on the bench. 
Uh, all five of the new signings will be involved. Uh, so that's the big difference. So we are stronger. Uh, well, I guess Kane probably won't be involved, unfortunately, for a while. Um, Connor says, I think we're okay. It's clear the manager didn't want them, so they got moved on. He has brought in some that will help us till the end of the season. Uh, but we need the ownership to be sorted before we start paying out again. I mean, it, it's a dangerous assumption that the players we've brought in are going to help us before the end of the season. Because, you know, if you can just say because we've brought in a player, they're definitely going to help us for the rest of the season. Um, then that would be the same of all the players we've bought in recently and had to ship off on loan or to Wrexham uh, this week. Uh, Platty says, if you look at it, only two out of eight who left us were anywhere near starters under Holden. Uh, Jaden Stockley and Owen O'Connell, and he made clear none were his men. Uh, the rest were hardly in the squad, even under Garner. Most peeps felt the squad was weak. So if the newbies are fit, uh, and we hope uh, then a far a better squad, uh, in uh, my opinion. There were a couple more messages as well, though, on Twitter, and we've got a few emails as well. Um, uh, Bob said, definitely less strong. Uh, the players gone out when reasonably match fit. Those in have hardly played any games. I'm not sure what the end game is. When loan deals are up for our players, they come back under contract. Guess what? Uh, what a mess. Uh, Scott said, we've put ourselves in a lose-lose situation. If Bond, Hector, uh, Kilkenny or Penny do well for us, uh, do we think they're going to sign a longer contract and stay? If they do poorly, uh, that's another four we have to replace. Our recruitment team aren't up for a rebuild as proven. Uh, by the last three summers. A lot will depend on the takeover as to whether this has been a good window or not. If new owners come in, then it's near a blank canvas to start from, which is ideal. But if Thomas Sangard stays, uh, we're in a big uh, trouble. Andrew says, is there a single instance of us signing a player who hasn't played in a long time who's gone on to be uh, a success? Examples, Big Mac and uh, Rocket Ronnie. Cigars says, uh, very poor in the circumstances. Much as I like what Holden has done as a manager up to now, with only a six-month contract, he's not in a position to rock the boat or question too much. His relationship with Andy Scott is a puzzle. It's interesting the way, obviously, people view Dean Holden. I, mean, I sort of view him as part of the, the new takeover lot. You know, I assume that he was brought in by them, really, you know, working with, with Andy Scott and Jim Rodwell. He seems he's, I see him as part of that, you know, part of whereas he's done well on, on the pitch. So I guess there is still big questions about what's actually going to happen in the future after that, Lewis. Yeah, there is. And I'm the same as you. I remember the appointments being made just before the Brighton game. And it was the most bizarre appointments because they all sort of came through on that one article. It felt like a, a one sort of whole new management team was in place for the short term to oversee a period of where the club would probably be taken into new ownership. And, you know, I, I really like Dean Holden. I think I've I've taken to him and I'm, I think most fans have taken to him more than they expected. Um, I think that that he's a bit of a coop. You know, I think he's a he's a good guy and... It seems like things are, are getting a bit better. I mean, the mood towards him and the team is much better. The frustration there is that I think it's another full storm where you've got somebody that probably gets it. You know, we say that a big thing about Charlton. Like, someone has to come in and get it, and that, it feels like he does. Um, the problem for me is, is he going to get the support, the funding, and the time to make a, a stable go at this? Because... None of us were expecting him to come in and push us for the top six this season. You know, we'd written the season off long before, I think even before Ben Garner had gone, we were thinking, you know, no, it's not going to happen. We're not pushing for top six. The aim is to stay in the division at that point. We, we probably, as you say, about there now, another couple of wins or so, and you you can write off probably getting relegated. But it, what is the goal for it? You know, for me, a, a, for a job for him to pick up, it's a big club to come into and take on which he's stated a lot of the time, and he's come in the same time as a full management team. So for me, that does read that he is part of this, as you say, like a, a group of people overseeing something. But 
it just seems to be so much sort of so much Chinese whispers going on around the around this potential takeover. It seems that no one really knows what's going on, and, and the silence from the club side is is deafening because it, it's unsettling. You know, it's incredibly unsettling for us. And we go back to the point we made earlier about being in League One and sort of being you know it feels like we're sleepwalking in league one it just feels like as you say we're becoming accepting of it and that it shouldn't be the case like football is a competitive sport we should always be pushing for the next step you know we're a, a club that's been in the premier league and it's been through the championship and fallen down on its knees you know we want to be back up there and as tom said we're not going to be in the premier league overnight no chance like at the moment there's so much work to be done but I think the minimum aim for us really should be pushing for a championship, you know, to be in the championship. That's where we see ourselves, I think, realistically. And off the back of the Bolton game, you know, listening to the pod on Sunday with the boys, it was, we're miles away. You know, that Bolton are a team that have been down to League Two and are bouncing back. It feels like we're light years away in terms of progress from where Bolton are. And they've been on the brink. It, it's It's tough at the moment, you know, it's really, really tough. And We've got to sort out this off-the-field situation as soon as possible. The January window is done now. Like We have to accept where we are is where we are for the rest of this season. But it's still so important that we get everything sorted ahead of the summer. Otherwise, we're set for another season of League One, if not worse. Mm, yeah, right. A couple more tweets. I mean, uh, Mr. Darcy said, I've got 40 to 1 on us being relegated. We'll spend the money on something unchalted uh, related after a lifetime. I'm always done. It's the hope that kills you. Uh, Sam said, uh, Asangard has only given holding a six-month contract probably showed that he wasn't going to give any funds during the window. Uh, for me personally, I can't understand why we let O'Connell and DJ leave uh, as I feel we at least need them on the bench. The second thing is, uh, were these Holden's choices players moved, uh, signed and moved on? Well, it's, it's a real tough one to, to, to read, you know, as as to who was sort of pulling the strings. You know, is it Asangard desperately cutting the cost because the takeover hasn't happened yet? Or is it whoever's getting ready to come in, you know, and, and judging by what Andy Scott said, they feel it's close because they want to run a tight ship. You know, do they, do they want to come in and run a, a, a downsized club? I don't understand what they achieve by that. Is it clearing the decks for the summer? I mean, if it is, it'd be about the 10th time we've wanted that to happen. But, it, but you know, whether it happens or not, I remain sceptical because I am always these days because of Charlton. All right, Rob says, uh, lots of Deadwood uh, were out, but not really replaced. If we get more injuries, we're in trouble. Um, said Penny's is back up to says Hector is not match fit. Bon is still gaining fitness. Kilkenny is not match fit. And Kane uh, is injured. Gadge said, uh, we're clearly in a worse position. No idea what they're doing. Seem to spend more effort uh, shipping the players out. Uh, Steve said, it's betrayal of the fans, especially the thousands who only went to Old Trafford a few weeks ago. Asset stripping to save money before he exits. Sangar will be remembered as a useful saviour, but a useless uh, owner. A couple of emails as well. Gary says... Uh, so that was the transfer window, which according to Dean Holden, we were going to come out of stronger. Uh, what utter rubbish. We are no better off, if anything, weaker. Uh, if this is if this Michael Hector is so great, why did he not have a club? Uh, no new striker to really put opposition defenders under the cosh. Still lacking in central defence. And it seems to me it was all about getting money into the club to try and make it more appealing uh, to any prospective buyer. After the three wins on the bounce, we're out of the relegation concerns now. This team could really be back in trouble because it's so weakened. And who wants to buy a Division 2 club? David said, um, yeah, the, the silence has been deafening uh, over the last little while. Obviously, we've had a bit more interviews with the with the managers as well. It was really interesting yesterday when it seemed very quiet. But we have heard from 
from Andy Scott and from uh, from Dean Holden today. And then Ray said, Hi guys, great show. Uh, of the eight players who were let go or been loaned out, only O'Connell for me would have been a first eleven starter. I think Dean Holden has kept the players he wanted and hopefully the incoming players can prove people wrong. That's from Ray. Excellent stuff. Well, thanks for all your emails. Uh, we're going to have a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to hear from Beth Rowe. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierces there. Bowers with a header. And it's done. Yes! 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 Oh, he scores! Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! Dream lads! Charlotte have scored! With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time to be a hero! Here on Wembley! Oh my word! Charlton Live. Right, well, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. We've covered the uh, January transfer window in some detail there. A lot of you have had your say. I'm sure if more of you want to do so, uh, don't forget we'll be back on Sunday as well. So get your emails in ahead of Sunday's show. Let's hear from Beth Rowe now, of course, from the Charlton women's team. They beat AFC Wimbledon 5-1 in the FA Cup on Sunday. They've uh, drawn Birmingham in the next round. They're at home to Coventry United in the championship uh, this Sunday at the Oakwood 2 o'clock. So Beth was asked what she made, first of all, uh, of the win over AFC Wimbledon. I think, I think if we're honest, it probably wasn't our best performance, but I think games like that are quite difficult. I mean, full credit to Wimbledon coming out the way they did. Um, but as I end of the day, full credit to us. I mean, five different scores, I think. Um, so yeah, just happy to get through to the next round um, and happy that players were able to get minutes from injury. Um, so, yeah. And talk about five different goal scorers. You were one of them. Netted for the first time this season. Talk us through the goal and what was it like to score? <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously it's nice to score. Um, it's been something I've been wanting to do for a while, but at the end of the day, the main thing was getting through to the next round um, and doing it convincingly, which we did. Um, and, yeah, to the next round we go. Obviously, being with the squad now, this is your second second and a half season uh, part of Charlton. Um, what kind of influence and experience do you think you bring? Um, <laughs> I think 
everyone's a leader in their own way. I mean, sometimes I'm probably quieter than most, but for me, it's just encouraging in the quieter moments. I think it's easy for people's heads to drop. But I mean, for me, if I can just get behind people and try and get them to be confident in themselves, then hopefully that will bring the best out on the pitch. Obviously, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, Coventry United is obviously going to be a really tough test. Um, they've been really impressive, two wins um, out of late, as of late recently. Um, obviously, it's been a while since Charlton have been in, in Championship action due to the weather. Uh, how much are you looking forward to something? How much of a test do you think Coventry are going to be? Oh, I think you you only have to look at their recent run, and I think even before that, I mean, full credit to them. Like, I mean, it happened last year. You look at the form they picked up the second half of the season, um, and they've been losing games narrowly. Um, so it's definitely something we have to be mindful of. Um, and you have to say credit to their staff and players, and they've brought in a lot of new signings over the Christmas period. So we have to be at the top of our game. Um, and I think if we can do that and go and implement our game plan, then we'll have every chance of winning the game. But... Yeah, it's going to be a difficult one. There we go. Great to hear from Beth. If you uh, can get down to the Oakwood on Sunday uh, to support the girls' team against uh, Coventry, make sure you're down there. Try and continue this fine run of form they're on. They just can't stop winning uh, at the moment, Karen Hill's side. So, uh, yeah, make sure you get down there. Right, uh, Saturday, uh, we're on the way down to Exeter. Don't forget, we've got David Earl uh, to give us the uh, the views uh, from an Exeter uh, perspective uh, later on in the show. But um, Dean Holden... Uh, was asked to look ahead to that trip uh, down to face Gary Caldwell's side. Um, inconsistent side, I guess you'd say, from uh, from Exeter. Don't forget, they've um, they recently lost Matt Taylor to Rotherham. Our former defender was their manager who got them promoted uh, into this division. Uh, they've won three of their last five League One games, only lost one uh, of their last six at home as well. They've drawn the last three. So an interesting game. Uh, Dean Holden, first of all, before being asked to preview the game, was asked if our two arrivals on deadline day, Michael Hector, or Gavin Kilkenny uh, will be fit enough to be involved. In my experience, um, Gary Caldwell, a friend of mine, the exit manager, would probably be watching this, so I would be getting heavy information. So I'm not going to give any answers to that in terms of Saturday for them reasons only. I respect the, the fact that our support would obviously want to know what's happening. Uh, you're absolutely right. We, we need to, you know, we've got individual programs for every player. Certainly, with them two guys coming in, two experienced guys, obviously, Michael more so. And we'll talk to them as we've been doing, we'll know where do they feel they're at, what training programme do they need. And uh, just be mindful, as you say, that they've not played a great deal of football. But Gavin, in particular, has obviously been training now for a period of time, kicking his heels uh, a mile club with Stoke. So uh, I'd like to both of them players in. Um, really pleased that we could get two really high quality players in, in, into the into the building. And as you say, a trip to them beckons. Facing um, extra side in uh, tenth place. Eyes very much on the playoffs they have. Um, they've added five players themselves um, in January. We're going to be uh, need to be at our very best to, to come get back on the three-point track. Yeah, it'll be a tough game. I always say that because I, I believe it will be. It's, it's, it looks like a surface that, that's a good surface to play on. Um, so we, we need to make sure we play our game there. We play a system which, when it works, can give you some problems, obviously. Giovanni Brown is a, the outstanding player in terms of his assists and his goals return this season. He's had, a, he's had a really standout season for him, but he's not the only one. Um, yeah, yeah, the preparation um, started this morning in terms of the players getting an understanding of exactly the type of team exit the city are, and, you know, what threat that poses for us. Um, but again, we need to get a 95 minute performance out of, out of the players, and we've shown signs of that last, last week. And the focus is very much on us and making sure we play to the style that we want to. There we go, Dean Holden. So I was not giving too much away in terms of the team, uh, especially the new two arrivals as to whether they're ready for for Saturday, Tom. But yeah, uh, 
it, you know, we've, we've all been caught up a bit in the, in the transfer window activities, but it's a big game. Obviously, we've come off the back of that three-game win this run and then got beaten by a much better team against Bolton uh, on Saturday. So in terms of on the field of play, we, we've got a little bit of bouncing back to do now. Yeah, I think it's really important that Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday's game doesn't knock the confidence too much. I think we all said it on Sunday's show, Bolton were, were comfortably the better team. Um, heard that pretty much anywhere for, from most people who are happy to hold their hands up and say that. And if you do take that at, at face value, then there's no reason to be disheartened by that. You know, it's a, a little bit of a setback, of course, but largely in our performances since Dean Holden's come in, um, we've been very, very good. You look at the Oxford defeat and the way we bounce back from that as well. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm not too concerned about that game in particular. I just hope that we, we can bounce back from that. And as you say, Exeter a bit of a strange side you know pretty much sitting mid-table as well although obviously not used to this this level of football so um, I would say they're kind of comfortably overachieving for what they would expect as opposed to us obviously underachieving I think we would all agree so yeah I'm not going to suggest it's going to be an easy game at all but uh, it's one that if we play like we have done so far certainly this calendar year then I certainly think we can go there and get a result Um but yeah, as I say, it's not it's not going to be easy at all. But uh, yeah, you, you'd kind of back us the way we've been playing to to get something at least. Mm, I mean, in terms of us, Lewis, I mean, looking at the lineup against Bolton, obviously all the players who started that game against Bolton are still at the club. <laughs> so you know, there, there, there's potential there to to keep the same eleven if you wanted. I mean, I guess the the changes you might make. I thought Bond was ineffective on on, on Saturday. Um, maybe bring Lieburn back into the starting lineup because you know, I know we, you know, he's a young player and we don't want to play him every week. But at the same time, he is probably our best striker. So, uh, you know, when, when an EK is not fit, so I mean, there's a potential change there. Tyrese Campbell came off the bench on the weekend instead of uh, Blackett Taylor. I mean, is, is there any changes you'd like to see to that to that side or, or to the way we we set up? Um, I don't think so. I think I'd agree that um, I'd probably rather see Miles in over over Bond. I think he was sort of bullied out of the game a little bit by by Santos so didn't really have much of an effect I think he chased things down all right you know I think he worked hard but it just didn't really get much out of it I think for, apart from winning a couple of headers it was kind of like that's all there was to it so yeah I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see Bond come in um and then if fit I wouldn't mind seeing um Cess come in at right back maybe um I mean I think Sean Clare played all right but um It'd be good to see Cess on his stronger side, or if not, I'd like to see Cessnion come back in. So for either either Claire or for Penny, if he was going to play on the left hand side, but that for me, I think that's really all we've got to manoeuvre with at the moment. I think the midfield kind of picks him picks itself. Albi played well on uh, on Saturday. Um, Corey's always dangerous as is Jez, but um, yeah, I don't think I'll change that. But yeah, for me, maybe Miles and Cessnion probably as much as we got to go with on this one. Excellent stuff. Right, well, um, as I've been promising throughout the show, we do have a really special interview. Now, often we, we will uh, speak to a, an opposition fan or journalist uh, ahead of our, our game with them to learn a little bit more uh, about the, the club that we're about to face. But it's a, a slightly different one uh, so far for, 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 for this week. Now, um, as I said, David Earl, who played Brian uh, in Afterlife, uh, he was in, uh, in, in extras as well, these Ricky Gervais shows you may know. Um, he's he's sort of a, a stand-up comedian, uh, podcaster as well. He's, I mean, his Gossip Mongers pod is uh, one of the funniest I've, I've ever heard. Uh, that's with Joe Wilkinson. Uh, he also does a, a, a Chatterbix podcast 
uh, with Joe Wilkinson as well, which I have to admit it's not one I I knew about actually, but one of a one of our uh, our listeners, David, uh, mentioned that um, uh, earlier on in the week as well. So I had to listen to that last couple of days, and that, that's quite fun. I know it's Paul, sorry, you mentioned that, um, and uh, so yeah, that was. Uh, that, that that was a podcast that's worth listening. And now he's just started a new podcast uh, called My New Football Club. Now this is uh, about Exeter City. Um, Tom sat down with him to find out a bit more about it. I have to warn you, there is some slightly PG language in here, uh, particularly towards the end. Uh, although to be fair, I've been speaking about my bodily fluids, so we'll um, you, you'll understand when you get to the end of the pod. Uh, but Tom sat down to spoke to uh, speak to David L at the start of the week and asked him how this new project. My new football club podcast came about. So I've always supported Man United. You'll Good start. Pleased. You'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we moved down to Devon. And I've always wanted, I've always kind of been frustrated that I didn't support a team close to home. So moving down here, I thought it was a good opportunity to go, do you know what? Let's support a team close by and see if I can get into them. And um I, I asked a load of people, I don't know if it was on Twitter, and I said, where should I go, Exeter, Plymouth or Torquay? And Exeter came out on top. So I went, okay. So I took my eldest there, went to the first game. I thought, I love it. I'm in. And then I just thought, right, if I'm going to fall in love with this side or care, I've got to go to every single game. So I went to a Papa John's trophy game. Everyone was saying, why are you going to that? I was like, I don't know. Because I realised I know nothing about lower league football. I've just literally just watched the top six of the Prem for 40 years. <laughs> and so it's all been new to me, but I've loved it. And um, I'm now 18 months in, season ticket holder, whatever. And so could we describe you as an Exeter fan yet? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, bloody hope so. Yeah. I, I've said to my co-presenter, John, I'm like, I don't quite know what my Man United relationship was now. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, it's kind of based on nothing. It's yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still watch them. I'm entertained by it, but this feels yeah, this feels different now with Exeter. And what... more more time invested, so there might be a lot more hurt involved at some point. And what was your experience of the Papa John's like? Something that we have to live with every season, sadly. Ah, uh, yeah. Well. I went because I've got a drive. When I drive to Exeter, I'm like 35 minutes away. By the time I parked the car, walked, it's about an hour or so. So I did the one Papa John's, and there were only like 1,500 people in the stadium. I've never, I've never been back. I've never been back. No, I think most of our players don't bother. To be honest, <laughs> just get through, get through it every year is basically yeah. it. I think, sadly, yeah, yeah. But yes, um, a far cry from the Champions League nights of your few years ago I guess yeah oh, but that's what I'm aiming for now with Exeter I'm like well surely we can just keep going up the leagues now because I'm sort of used to it so come on let's keep winning yeah well on that theme of course it's the I think Exeter's first season in League One for possibly 10 years 10 years plus um yeah. upper mid table uh, what's what's your experience on the campaign to date so far um so my first experience was League Two which we got promoted straight away so I was kind of like, well, this is easy. Yeah. It really felt like they went on, as soon as I started supporting them, they went on this 16-game unbeaten run. I thought, well, this is really easy, so let's just get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got promoted. On the on the night of promotion, some guy came up to me and said, I've been waiting 20 years for this. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? I've been waiting like four months. 
So, so now I was really excited about League One because of teams like Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, mm. Bolton. They mm. feel like sleeping giants. So I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to get to watch these teams. So I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like maybe the top third are, are a better standard from League Two, but maybe the bottom third are kind of there or the same kind of, mm. yeah, standard. And from what you've watched this season and maybe from people you've spoken to who have been there for for longer time than yourself, is there a sense that you're punching above your weight? Is it just nice to be there? Or are people thinking, actually, like you just said there, this is not as hard as we thought it was going to be? What's general sense that you're getting? Well, the guy sits next to me. He's been going since the 60s. And he's constantly saying, yeah, we'll let a goal in the last five minutes. Don't worry about that. Mm. Uh, and I don't want to start thinking like that. I'm like, no, no, we won't. No, we won't. So I have been told this is the best it's ever been in their history. Okay. And, I, and I'm feeling like, well, I'm sorry, but we've got to get better than this if I'm sticking around. <laughs> so I see, because I, I haven't got all their baggage, I'm like, I don't see any reason why we can't. But I haven't learned, you know, how difficult it might be. You know. So maybe you needed a season or two back in the conference or something <laughs> yeah. just to, to yeah. really settle Honestly, back in. So many fans I've spoken to on the podcast, so they're just like, oh, I don't want to get promoted. I'm quite happy in League One. What were you talking about? Uh, I haven't learned yet that maybe it's quite it's quite cosy in League One and League Two. Maybe you don't want to go up any higher. But at the moment, I'm getting yeah attracted by the big stadiums and the giddy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think a few hard knocks in League Two, and you'll soon realise that that's not so great. No, but absolutely enjoying the run now. And um, so you probably you have seen two Exeter managers then. So you saw Matt Taylor, um, who then I think went to Rotherham in October, didn't he? And Gary Caldwell's come in. Um, what's what does a Gary Caldwell Exeter look like? What's opinion with him in the fan base? What's the style of play? I mean, <clears throat> style of play, I, I don't want to sort of get into that because I feel like I'm out of my depth okay. regard, regarding tactics. I know when I spoke, we spoke, we had him on the pod and he kind of said he didn't want to change anything drastically and that he was going to make his changes possibly pre-season. Okay. Um, but I think having sort of nosed around our forums and spoken to people on the podcast, I think people are quite enjoying him and feel quite safe with him his interviews are really good and he's brought in three pretty good players I think from speaking to other people so I think I think he's got good connections at other clubs like mm. Newcastle and yeah um, so I think it's quite exciting and mm. apparently he really impressed during the interviews so okay yeah, yeah. interesting and obviously with Matt Taylor, I think it was more a case that he left for Rotherham as opposed to being sacked. So it's one of those weird yeah. situations well, where you're not kicking a manager out almost. Yeah, well, so he was doing really, he also got us promoted. Yeah. He's the only manager I knew. So I was really invested in Matt. I, I had him on my WhatsApp. He asked me to play in his cricket team. And then suddenly he's sodding off to Rotherham. Yeah. So I felt like I was losing a girlfriend. So I wrote him this R&B song and sent it to him. <laughs> And he just Did you said, get a response? He just said, thanks very much for that. Well, that's better than, that's better yeah. than nothing, right? Better well, than just being blocked. I haven't heard anything since, to be fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And it hasn't, it hasn't found its way out there, has it? 
the R and B song, or oh, have you yeah. been quite public with it? Oh yeah, I put it on Twitter. Don't worry about that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. That's good. Good. <laughs> yeah. If we look at the side in terms of of Saturday, um, Giovanni Brown and Sam. I don't know if it's Nom or Nome. Nom. Nom. Yeah, Nombe. Between them, I think over twenty five goals. So uh, I guess from a chart perspective, it's not a difficult question to know who to look out for. Um, no. So Giovanni Brown against Menke Dons on Saturday was. He was different class. He really mm. is like he should and could and probably will play in the championship. I don't know. But I keep talking about the golden child. We've just got this guy on uh, from Newcastle called Joe White. And I think he's played, he came on 20 minutes to go against, I can't remember now. He's played a game and a half since, something like that. I tell you what, he looks special. Okay. He's really good on the ball. Yeah. Midfielder. Yeah, attacking midfielder. Yeah, I'd be having a look at... I'm pretty sure MK Don stuck a couple of men on him on Saturday. and They kind of kept him quiet, but it gave Giovanni Brown possibly more. Mm. Yeah, I'd keep an eye on him. Obviously, you went on to win the game. So, uh, you didn't manage to keep enough of you quiet, even if it was him. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, he looks good. And he's got a guy in, Dimitri Mitchell from Hibernian, who was at Man United, who looks... I don't know. They all look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. as I say, they seem to be doing well and obviously at the moment sit above Charlton in the league. So yeah. definitely doing something, right? Yeah. What's happening with Charlton? Uh, you should be up there. We should be. I would think so as well. That's yeah. what, can I ask you this question? So what is it like having experienced the good times with a big club and now you're down here? That must be quite fiddly. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. So yeah. I I was at Old Trafford for the League Cup game uh, a few weeks ago. And that oh, was yeah, the yeah. first time, yeah, 2007, the year we got relegated, I went to the Emirates to watch us play Arsenal. We lost 4-0. And this was the first time I'd been to one of those big six, traditional big six grounds since then. Um, so I think for someone like me, who's been going for 25 years or so, I'm at that stage now where we've been out of the Premier League for so long. I kind of understand it. And I think, I feel like we're probably a championship level club or should be, yeah. but I, we're not a Premier League club in my eyes anymore. But oh. Uh, oh, for, God. for older fans who had longer in the Premier League, they might view it differently. And for younger fans, they've probably not known a whole no. lot different now because it's no. been it's been 15 years, 16 years since we were in the Premier League. So. So do yeah, you, what do you want it back? Or are you no, I'm quite happy here. Championship. A championship, I would like. Yeah, we had a season in the championship about three years ago, and that was great. And then COVID came in and, and that basically that wasn't the reason we went down, but that season was obviously a bit different. Yeah. Um a Premier League, I don't know. I watch it on TV these days and I'm not sure if I want it or not. I mean, getting there would be amazing, but actually the grind of week by week would probably be very hard. I just want that experience of watching yeah. Ke- Kevin De Bruyne 10 yards away. Yeah. I just, wa- just want to watch it once. Just let yeah. me do it once, please. Yeah, which is why the cup game at Old Trafford a few weeks ago was yeah. great, to see yeah. Casemiro come on. I mean, we were so, in we were in a fight until that point, and then, but to see him play was, was an incredible experience. And did you, were they just, a, I watched that game on TV, were they just a level above? In, a, in like second gear or I mean it felt like you gave him a good game but yeah yeah I I think what really changed it was Rashford Ericsson and Casemiro all came on at the same time right and we were tired by then yeah and that that basically changed the game 
but uh, yeah, until that point, we went toe to toe and gave it a really good go. Um, and I know there'd been some changes in the United team, but yeah, yeah, we gave it a pretty good effort. Because Jaden Stockley came on, didn't he? In the uh, he might have done in the second half because he's, he's just it, he's been on the pod. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he's actually just left Charlton today and yeah, gone to Fleetwood. That. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, yeah. uh, I think. I don't think I have any other questions on Exeter, um, okay. but before we go, I do have to ask a little bit about your acting career. Um, why does Ricky Gervais cast you in such disgusting roles? <laughs> um, well, I sort of ca- came up with Brian before, and he's always been, whenever I've done stand-up, he's sort of been a mix between a bad comedian. So, for instance, when I did stand-up, he would tell bad jokes, and I... And then I would do this thing on stage where if I was dying on my ass, I'd pull out, pull out this flaccid penis. I saw you do that where at, at Soho Theatre no. when you were on one of Ricky's warm-ups, I think for the last tour. <laughs> so, so that was my get-out-of-jail-free car. Excellent. So, so it's always been a mix of sort of like this... this Sort of children's entertainer, and then he makes terrible decisions like, "Well, don't get your cock out, mate." I don't know if I can talk like that on the podcast. Be fine, everyone. Be fine. So, so I think Ricky kind of liked, especially with Kevin Derek. Ricky liked that idea of just being able to just be as rude as possible through the, uh, yeah, through Brian's or Kev's, yeah, for mm. more my my voice. Yeah, um, it's just quite good fun. Just being. It, disc- I mean, it looks it. I've seen the outtakes. It always <laughs> looks good fun. What's what- yeah. You can obviously let us behind the scenes a little bit. What is he like to work with? Is he professional at all? Because he's produced some brilliant stuff. Well, you, you have to be, otherwise you can't make these shows. But he, I mean, I haven't done a lot of acting, but compared to other sets I've been on, there's so much playing around, especially, do you know what, for me, for my character, maybe like a couple of others, I can just, because I've just got a, sort of a bit part. This the story isn't through my character. I can just come on, say something horrendous, and walk off. So there's normally like an hour or so where we can just play and muck around and improvise. And if I've got an idea, let me run with it and just start saying terrible things. Um, but it's not like I'm the leading man, well, where someone's falling in love with me. I can literally just come on, cheers everywhere, <laughs> and go home. <laughs> what a perfect perfect end to this interview yeah sorry everyone yeah. don't worry at all thank you so much for coming on david um thank you. i would say best of luck saturday but maybe not but who knows maybe yeah, one yeah, day yeah. we will see you in the premier league with exeter and charlton who knows who knows there who to knows? dream huh yeah yeah thank you mate thanks for having me thank you cheers <laughs> there we go fantastic uh interview with uh with david who i'd argue is probably the most famous person we've ever had uh, on on Charlton Live, other than Nathan, of course, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well done, Tom, for 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 getting down and speaking to to David, and and, and thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Right, we've come to the end of uh, this week's uh, Charlton Live, my uh, the big match preview. Thanks to all of you uh, who've tuned in. Uh, thank you to Tom uh, and to Lewis for joining me this week. Cheers, mate. No worries, mate. Cheers. Good to speak to the pro view. I'm Louis Mendes. Don't forget, we'll be back on Sunday after the game with Exeter to uh, see what happens at that one. If you want to have your say on that show, email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk or tweet us at charltonlive. We shall speak to you on Sunday.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 